Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, exploring issues related to leadership and nursing through inspiring conversations. Today's episode is sponsored by AACN's Value Program, offering group discounts to nursing teams of 10 or more on AACN membership, certification, or conference attendance, with information available at aacn.org forward slash value. Now here's your host, AACN's Chief Clinical Officer, Connie Barden. Hi, it's Connie Barden here, and I'm so happy this afternoon that I get to talk with Lieutenant Colonel Patricia Williams, who's the chief nurse of the 20th Medical Group at Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina. Colonel Williams, welcome, and thank you so much for somehow finding time to chat this afternoon. Thank you so much. I am just honored to be here. Well, I have a thousand questions for you. I've learned that, that I don't have to call you Colonel. I can call you Trish. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, Trish, it's not familiar for a lot of people who are probably listening to know much about being a military nurse. And I know that your entry into military nursing wasn't even sort of predictable. So how about if we start off just telling us a little about yourself and your background and how you got to uh, where you are today? I wanted to be a nurse since I was just a little thing. And um, I went to nursing school and high school at the same time. I was always one of those fast paced, you know, got to get going kind of people. And uh, I got my LPN in uh, 87. I did that for about 11 years. And while I was doing that, I worked oh, practically everything. And I think that critical care was the area that I could see myself. So I started um, on my baccalaureate track and um, graduated with that with my bachelor's in uh, 2001. And if you know what was happening in 2001, um, we were going to war. I, at that point, had pushed my way into critical care as an LPN, and that was at Scottsdale Osborne, and then went from there to graduate with my bachelor's. I stayed there for a year and then moved to Pensacola. And at that point, I had been doing trauma care for a couple of years and just really felt like I wanted to take care of our heroes. I loved trauma nursing. I loved critical care. It's where I knew I wanted to be, but I knew I could do a lot more than just um, what I was doing stateside. And so at 35, I joined the military. Wow. Um, to go to war. My husband and I talked about it. He had been in the military for uh, 21 years and retired in 99. And I was actually too fat to join the military. <laughs> I was 60 pounds overweight. It took me a year of running and eating right and preparing for the fitness portion of it. They finally did accept me. And within seven months, I was off to work as a fully qualified critical care nurse, it was very humbling to take care of our heroes. Really an amazing job. I have loved every minute of my Air Force career, even when it, for lack of a better word, sucked. <laughs> yeah. That is a story of focus and dedication, even before you were in the military, that you decided that was the thing for you. Fascinating. Yeah, it, it was very different. Um, to be able to go, I was at Launchstool Germany early, early on in my career and have 
um, some of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, even uh, coalition forces come to Germany. And when I was taking care of some of the folks in Pensacola, you would save their life. One of my patients literally spit on me because he, I don't know, didn't want to be saved or whatever. And then I went to Germany and I take care of this young man and we extubate him. And the first thing he says is, please call my mother. Mm. And of course I'm like, oh my gosh, I start crying and I'll call your mom. (laughs) Okay. Um, and then others, you know, they're, uh, they've come in and, and they've lost their legs and they're telling me, um, how fast can you get me new legs? I need to get back out there. The military folks that I have had the honor to take care of have been the most amazing people I have ever known. I've been very blessed to be able to take care of this group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to hear more about that. Uh, It sounds to me when you talk, like when you're doing military nursing, you're almost expected to be a leader from day one. Like that comes with it. How does that compare to sort of civilian out here where the rest of us are versus this expectation around leadership when you're in the military? When you join the military, whether you're enlisted or an officer, the very first thing you do is go to school and learn about the expectations of your military bearing. And as a, uh, an officer, we are taught officership, which means leadership. Um, that's the first thing you're taught. And we are told we are an officer first and our job is second. Now, obviously as a nurse, that was really, really hard for me because I had been a nurse by the time I'd gotten to that point had been 17 years, um, of being an LPN and then RN. So obviously for me, being a nurse was like the most important part, but being an officer and getting leadership skills start day one. I think the biggest part that I'd like to share is that what we learn is every single person is a leader. Yes. We are all leaders on the civilian side or on the Air Force side. It's a perception. You lead something. If you lead your family, you lead your children, you are a nurse, say you're an LPN, you lead your patient to wellness. Um, If you're a registered nurse, you're leading the technicians, you're leading the other staff, you're coordinating, collaborating. We are all leaders. We just have to understand how what we do impacts other people. The sad thing is, is that civilians don't get the training, but it is out there if you want to know. And I think once people realize, well, yeah, I am a leader. So how can I do better at that? How can I learn to do that. And it's hard. Motivating people is difficult. It's a lot of work to kind of get your niche um, and how you're going to be a leader. And there's many kinds of leaders. I consider myself a servant leader, but I will also tell you there are times you have to move from that to say, okay, uh, but now I have to really hold you accountable here because you really need to do the right thing for your patient. Right. But yes, we definitely get it right from day one. And each time you make a rank, you have another layer of your leadership school. I'm in Air War College right now, still learning, uh, even at 54. I'll just tell you. Put it out there. Right. (laughs) Learning. Every day I am still learning. 
So Trish, um, I know you spoke with my colleague Cindy Kane uh, the other day and you all were talking about military nursing stories and getting acquainted. And she told me that one of the things you said is that being a nurse is like foundation for life for you. What does that mean exactly? So being a nurse um, is really more than a job. Being a nurse is who I am. For me, it was really a calling. You know, I always wanted to care for people. That caring piece never goes away. I always want to continue to help people and serve people. And that is who I am. But I also, um, from really a more literal point of view, is it taught me how to think. And what I mean by that is this crazy care plans that we all hated, assessing, nursing diagnosis, planning, evaluating, intervening, and then continuing to do that. All of that, believe it or not, teaches you how to critically think. I mean, now it's like second nature. It happens immediately when I'm trying to deal with a problem or an issue. Oddly enough, in the military, they say nurses can fix anything with duct tape and chewing gum. (laughs) And they're not kidding uh, because when we have to provide care to a patient, sometimes it's in a setting that is not normal. And you have to be able to critically think through everything you need. For instance, one of the things I did in the military was critical care air transport. Amazing job. Um, And so I would be downrange and I would get a patient and I have to know before I leave and get in the air that I have absolutely everything I could possibly go wrong in the air ready. And if I don't, how do I think through this problem to make sure my patient is safe? It is who I am based on how I've learned to think, how I've learned to care, how I use the art of nursing, as well as the science of nursing in my everyday life with every person whether you're a student nurse or um, an older nurse, I'm pretty sure you walked through Walmart and noticed somebody and went, oh, they have blah, blah, blah. I hope they're taking care of blah, blah, blah. It's not your job to do that. It's who you are. And that really um, is so important because when you're a nurse, you are a nurse. You know, it's, it's a profession. It's a respected field. And it's, so much more than a license. I couldn't agree with you more. And oftentimes in that store or wherever you are, you find that people come up and before you know it, they're telling you things about their life that they would never tell anybody else. And there's something about the nurse vibe that people really start telling you all their innermost secrets. Speaking of telling things, I really would love for those who are listening to get even more of a flavor. You talked about critical care, air transport. You've been deployed five times trauma nurse, critical care nurse. Now you're a chief nurse. Just tell us a little bit more about most of us don't know what that's like to be deployed five times. How long were you there? What kind of things did you do? Did your role change over the 19 years that you've been in? Anything you want to share about that? Each of my deployments have been unique. Uh, My first one 
was to Germany to backfill um, or to be there because when we're at war with um, Iraq, Afghanistan, we would, when we had injuries, the first echelon of care uh, was launch tool. So there have been events that have happened that have caused uh, a lot of patients to come at one time. I worked there uh, getting our soldiers and sailors and so forth literally stabilized and moved back to the States within like three days time frame. Yeah. Um, so I did that uh, for two of my deployments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was blessed that I got the opportunity to do critical care or CCAT. And that's not something that everybody gets to do. You get selected for that team uh, and you train and you train hard. One of the trainings that's required is um, at C-STARS in Cincinnati and they really put you through it, you know. When um, you say CCAT, is that air transport? Is that what that means? Yes, critical care air transport team. Okay. That's CCAT. And so we we train hard uh, to make sure that we can deal with the stressors of flight as well as the injuries. And so I went to Iraq and I flew patients from Iraq to Launchstool. At that point in my career, there were a lot of patients that were burned. Um, And so that was a a real challenge, both physically and emotionally on the aircraft to make sure that those patients, um, my goal was to get them, not just get them home, but get them there better than they started. And so that's a challenge with that group of folks. And then um, I had a second CCAT deployment, critical care air transport. Mm -hmm again, to Iraq, to Balad. And then while I was there, they selected me for the ECMO team, which is the acute lung resuscitation team. I PCS'd, which is basically just a move. You move um, to Germany with my family. And um, while I was there, they deployed me to Ramstein. So what that meant was I still lived in my house but I went to launch tool and I flew patients from launch tool to stateside. So I've done both. And then in addition to that, I flew all over in the European theater and then back down to Afghanistan or Iraq or AFRICOM, the the African area, and would um, pick up patients there that would otherwise not survive on a ventilator in air. So you were transporting people on ECMO in the air. Is that right? Yes. Yes, ma'am. ECMO in flight. Yes, ma'am. That's amazing. Um, And I was very, very lucky to be a part of the very first transatlantic mission that was um, ever flown. Uh, And I really can't tell you about the patient because that would be inappropriate. But it was absolutely amazing to be able to bring someone from that critical of a state back to the United States to get new lungs and have them home by Christmas with their kids. It was just the most amazing feeling to have that be a part of my life and my career to know that I was able to do that. That was just awesome. Unbelievable. And your enthusiasm just oozes out of of every orifice as you're talking to us. Just amazing Many people are just trying to wrap their heads around doing ECMO in a plane all ICU. Imagine doing that in an air transport uh, situation. 
You know, it seems like this immense experiences that you've had and all the learnings that come with it, there could be lots of lessons that you could share with us on the non-military side, on the, on the civilian side. Is there anything that you see sort of crosses over or any similarities that no matter where you are, these are always some basic things that nurses do, that nurses can learn, how nurses can lead? Absolutely. I have been so blessed and so fortunate to be able to do things that I would otherwise never get to see um, in a military setting. But we also provide care in other settings, which are very much like being a civilian. Currently, I'm the chief nurse of a facility, and it's an outpatient facility. And what I spend my time doing is making sure that I teach mentor, support, and care for those people that are coming up to replace me to make sure that they're trained, that they're educated, that they can critically think, that they can take care of me because, you know, I'm not, I'm not a young one anymore and they're going to be taking care of me. And all of you listening, you know, you might be taking care of me. And what I want you to know is that that support, that mentorship, that guiding, it happens no matter where you are. You don't have to be in the military to be a mentor, to be a guide, to help somebody along, to teach them. When I first started in nursing, I ugh, that was a long time ago. I still wore my cap and you could smoke in the nursing uh, unit back then. <laughs> right? It was insane, insane. But I felt like nurses really ate their young, mm. you know? And, and that's got to stop. That is so unnecessary because when you think about um, how generations grow and, you know, we have a new generation and and one of the things I, I hear a lot is, well, they don't do it the way we do it. Well, of course they don't. And we don't want them to because we won't get best practices if we, you know, teach them they have to do it this way. There won't be growth. There won't be innovation from a civilian standpoint. You know, there's more financial ability out there to be innovative. And, you know, if it's not illegal, immoral or unethical, let them try. Give them an opportunity, you know, um, to make change and grow. And every one of us can do that. Absolutely. That's so relevant what you said, because military side or civilian side doesn't matter. We have so many people new to critical care. And oftentimes, most often, they're younger than nurses who are there. And sometimes we get into this whole generational thing about that and we stereotype, et cetera. But this concept of guiding and mentoring those who are going to replace me, I think, is really sound no matter where you practice. Absolutely. Now, Trish, do you get involved with uh, recruiting nurses to join the military? Is that part of uh, your role as a leader? Yeah, I absolutely love that. I often get asked to come to colleges or if there's folks that are interested in the um, Air National Guard, um, they ask me to come out and um, talk to them about nursing. And I love baby nurses. It is so much fun to see how energetic and interested they are. And I really encourage that to come into the military. I would much rather have someone who has a strong foundation of professionalism and ethics and character 
than someone who has all the knowledge, but is not kind or caring or considerate. And so when I see these young ones coming in, I get so excited because they are that picture and they can be taught, you know, the things, the things can be taught, but the character can't be. So what you're saying is you would recommend leaders and others look for the person more than the skills, knowledge, that kind of thing. Don't overlook the human being. Don't overlook the human being. I will tell you, I have currently several critical care nurses that are working in my clinic, but they're in my clinic because they have wonderful character and we continue to keep our skills, you know, by uh, working outside and then training and you know, we keep our skills up because we know we could deploy as a critical care nurse at any time. And they have no clue how to work in outpatient, but they have everything they need to learn it and be amazing at it. And so that's what you look for. You look for that, that person that who's a nurse, like inside and out. It just, it just makes all the difference in the world. And you just know that, yes, you're going to have to teach them some things, but they're going to just gravitate to greatness no matter what. I can see how the Air Force must love sending you out to do recruits because like I want to go sign up right now, but I'm way too oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to it. your your enthusiasm and your stories, it, it really would make anybody in nursing, especially critical care, want to say, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be on that flight or so forth. So I bet you are knocking it out of the park. Oh, I love it. It is so much fun to be with those folks. And I make a lot of um, exercises throughout the base uh, to enhance our training piece of that, um, where we do a lot of critical thinking, even with like EMS and the security forces and, and people like that. We spend time building up their medical knowledge should they be at war. And so all of it just kind of is amazing. And I love it. Let me just ask you as we wrap up, you get open mic now because you've had such a, an impressive and diverse, very interesting career. What words of wisdom would you share with the folks who are listening? You know, like what you know now compared to then or just what are words of wisdom from uh, Trish Williams today? I have lots of them, but a lot of them I really already said is mentor each other. Don't be afraid of confrontation. Um, I think what I see a lot now in this generation of nurses is that um, they don't want to hurt each other's feelings. And you have to be professional and teach each other and grow each other. And you're not being nice to the person next to you if you don't say, hey, you know, I saw you do that. I know another way or a better way or not sure that that was the right way to handle that, but here's my opinion. You know, what do you think? Because surrounding yourself with people who are not like you helps you grow. We really need to be able to mentor each other and be kind to one another because nursing is hard. It's not, (laughs) it's not an easy job. I know that we've come a really long way in the profession And, you know, it's become a little more lucrative over the years. I remember my first job, 7.35 an hour, was not a lucrative job. You did it because it was a calling. I just think now we have to be even more professional and help one another learn in ways that 
maybe are a little more diverse. I think that's what I would want to say, you know, to leave out there, like just support one another and think of out of the box ways to communicate and don't be afraid of confrontation, be accountable, hold people accountable um, to do the right thing for their patients. Cause I'm going to be one of them. <laughs> we all will eventually most likely very wise words from a very wise leader Lieutenant Colonel Trish Williams, I can't even thank you enough. And we always, when we talk to military people, say thank you for your service. But I want to say more than that, which is thank you for who you are and who you have shared with us by talking about your career, starting as an LPN and then (laughs) doing nursing. And then at age 35, imagine joining the military to go to war. I wrote that down when you said that. You don't hear many people say that. You're a servant leader. Nursing is a foundation for life. It's who you are, not what you do. What really moved me is when you said it impacts all of us and how we learn to think, how we learn to care. There's an art to nursing. There's a science to nursing. Uh, We've got to do whatever we have to do to preserve the force. That's a great message for everybody. And I also loved the concept, which we'll wrap up, of saying Of course, people don't do it our way. How else do we get new and different ways of doing things? And we must surround ourselves by people who think differently than we do if we're going to learn and grow. Yes, ma'am. So thank you for that. Thank you for all the yes, ma'ams. I'm going to keep talking to military people because, you know, (laughs) you don't ordinarily get that. That's like all formal. But Trish, I can't thank you enough for spending time today and just sharing who you are in the world. It's been a real honor to talk to you. Thank you so much, Connie. I really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this. It's very, very exciting. Thank you for listening to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, proudly sponsored by AACN's Value Program, with information available at aacn.org forward slash value. We welcome your thoughts on this episode or ideas for future topics. Feel free to email us anytime at podcasts at aacn.org. Dot org.